0: What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chas Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? Don't judge my beard. It's no-shave November. And for a good cause, we got another fire show for you guys this week. Your boys are back in the building. Thank you for holding out with us. I was pretty sick last week, Chris. It's really good to be back. Well, we got another fire show for you guys this week. Which team is the most disappointing in the NBA so far? And Ben Simmons returns to Philly to get all that vitriol and suffer a pretty humiliating loss, I might add. And like the beam, Chris, Sacramento Kings are on a winning streak and are back in the NBA the longest since 2004. Well, we got to get first to the Lake Show, mm. winning three in a row and going up against the Phoenix Suns team, who was pretty tough on the road this week. They... We were not able to pull out the win. They lost 115 to 105 and a pretty heated battle on the road without LeBron James, I might add. Anthony Davis has done great things these last five or six games, primarily 38 points, 21 rebounds, 60% shooting from the field, five blocks, five, five assists the other night. I mean, he's averaging 27 and 12 on 62% true shooting. Overall, he's making his free throws. He hit 15 out of 16 free throws against the Phoenix Suns. Chris, that wasn't the story, though, at the end of the Mm. day.
1: Not not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. That's just the setup. In the fourth quarter,
0: when the Lakers are making a run, they're within single digits at this point. And Mm -hmm. Devin Booker does what Devin Booker does. He flexes. He snarls, plays to the crowd. And he did this after fouling Austin Reeves and hit him in the face, I might add, and he landed on the ground. He then stands over Austin Reeves, flexes a little bit, has something to say. Then DeAndre Ayton gets a rebound, slaps the ball, walks over to Austin Reeves, looks down at him. And Patrick Beverly has had enough. Anthony Davis was standing there. He didn't really do anything. The refs didn't do anything. I don't blame Anthony Davis, by the way, because he's having a great game and a great groove. You don't want to get suspended or anything like that. Stupid. So Patrick Beverly is that guy. He's the reason why the Lakers went out and got him for this reason. You don't stand over another man. I don't care if it's Austin Reeves. I don't care if it's Bruce Brown. I don't care if it's whoever, Giannis, KD. You don't stand over another man. And there's just certain unwritten rules I love the fact that Pat Beverly went over and shoved DeAndre Now, Could he have gotten hurt and did it escalate, yada, yada? Absolutely. But I'm tired of this Suns team, this front-running Suns team, who hasn't done anything but get blown out in game seven on the home floor and blow a 2-0 finals lead to Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks only to flex like they've done something and haven't, but still want to act like, they're the greatest team when they haven't done anything. So Chris, what did you make of <clears throat> Pat Beverly standing up for his guy? He did say that he was a foxhole guy. Really quick, listen to what Patrick Beverly had to say. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, protecting my teammates, especially teammates that, you know, I go to war for it every night. So I kind of felt like the play uh, kind of got out of control after the, the stare down on, at Austin Reeves by Book, then another stare down by Aiden, and the refs didn't really come in. And kind of break it up so uh you know I'm not going for that sh- you know so uh uh that's what i that's what I saw obviously uh um, it's unfortunate that it happened on national TV but uh you know me regardless of what's going on i'm a I'm a big fan of protecting my teammates and uh I'm a big fan of a I'm a, I'm a foxhole guy and uh you know I put on a jersey and I commit to a team I commit to a city uh you know it's, you know it's kind of my motto you know I'm I'm, I'm a foxhole guy so very unfortunate situation though. I love that. I, I love that he said that he's a foxhole guy. Yeah, I love the fact that Darvin Ham stood up for him. Anthony Davis stood up for him. Russell Westbrook then stood up for him. Chris, are you standing with Patrick Beverly for this? Or do you think he was a little over the line by doing what he did by pushing DeAndre?
1: Well, let me just first off by saying this. Um, I understand the intention of Patrick Beverly. I think his heart was definitely in the right place. And let me just build up for because there were some people like our esteemed colleague, Nick Hamilton, who called it a sucker move. And he uh, wasn't, but hold on though. And it got me thinking a little bit, like, huh, what did I miss here? So, first of all, let, let, let me let me break down what happened leading up to that play. Devin Booker started getting hot. He starts talking smack. DeAndre Ayton scores a few times on Anthony Davis. He starts talking smack. Phoenix had at that point, Chaz, kind of seized control from the game. And I never got the sense after that mini two-minute stretch that the Suns had put together, turning a two-point lead or three-point lead now into a 10-point lead with a few minutes left. I kind of got the sense the tide is turning. So it comes up with a really good defensive play. Then he gets called for the late whistle. The standing over from Booker, was uncalled for, especially on a guy like Austin Reeves, who is, is a hardworking player, who's not a shit talker, excuse my language, but he's not. And it was just uncalled for at that point. You've got the game won, dude. Uh, you may not have liked the foul. Maybe you thought Reeves was selling it, but you shouldn't be standing over him. And then Aiden comes over and tries to do the same thing. And I think Anthony Davis was fed up at that point. But you're right. It's not really an Anthony Davis's character to want to deliver a two-handed shove into the chest of Aiden. So Beverly, who's got his own personal history with Booker and the Suns going back. I mean, infamously, his last play, his last memory as a Clipper was a two-handed shove in the back of Chris Paul in game six of the Western Conference Finals in 21. So this is not new, Beverly in this organization in Phoenix. However, I think in the moment, they're talking smack. It's an emotional game. The Lakers have been battling and battling all night long. And everything kind of came to a head. Now, I don't condone violence. I I never I don't mind the smack talk. It's all in good fun. I get it. Sticks and stones, right, Chaz? But when you start now putting hands on people and you kind of come up, it wasn't quite from the back on Aiton, but it was more or less from the side. Either, it was a either way, check. yeah, it was a violent check. And, and I was joking on Twitter. I don't know if anyone got that. It's it's a it's a two-handed shove into the bodyboard that a guy like Drew Doughty of the LA Kings would have been proud of. Uh, yeah. as far as the actual shove now things kind of spirals from there. And once again, I will say this, Pat, this is why you get Patrick Beverly being in the foxhole, the allegiance, the loyalty to his teammates. We've seen, we saw it last year in Minnesota. We saw it for years with the Clippers. This is why you have that guy. He is a six foot tall enforcer, probably the shortest enforcer we have in the game, but that is why you bring him in. And I, and I think everyone could understand the his heart was in the right place, but still shoving somebody like that, it's uncalled for, and it's probably going to get a suspension. But I understand yeah. why he did it. It's a catch-22. You never like to see those plays. You certainly don't like to see somebody shoved in the back. But when you think about the game, the stuff Booker was saying, the stuff Aiton was saying, these guys kind of had it coming. And And by the way, Chaz, Phoenix has been yapping all season long. They did it with the Golden State Warriors to Klay Thompson, blatantly been, been disrespectful. This. Yeah, no, but this. and this is by the way, this is also a characteristic of a Chris Paul led team. The Clippers did all that stuff for years with Blake Houston Griffin and DJ. Yeah, and and not not so much OKC, but you know Houston, uh, some of these other teams when it's a Chris Paul led team, especially with like a group of young stars in particular, they always seem to get a little bit too yappy. They like to flex. And then at the end of the day, it's like, bro, you can't disrespect the championship squad. Like the Warriors like that. You can't disrespect other, other teams. And they're not going to go for it because guess what? You don't have, you don't have that respect. You guys haven't won anything. I'm sorry. So that is why I give Beverly a bit of a pass on it. Once again, I don't like the execution, but his heart and his mind were, were in the right place as far as what he was trying to do. And basically say, you may be, have a better team and a better record, but you're not going to win that fifth quarter in, in a fight. We're not soft.
0: There's still NBA players who are still grown men. And this isn't about record. This isn't about talent. This isn't anything else other than principle and respect. So shout out Patrick Beverly. I like it. 10 times out of 10, twice on Sunday. Um, really quick, Chris, uh, there was something that was put out by a friend of the show, Eric Pincus, friend of yours, actually. Um,
1: yeah, we got to get him Bleacher, on the show.
0: <laughs> Bleacher, Bleacher Report, I believe. He, there was um, a trade that he kind of floated out, a trade idea between the Brooklyn Nets, Detroit Pistons, and Los Angeles Lakers, where being reported that the— Brooklyn Nets are pretty much done with Kyrie, even though he's had a great couple nights since returning last week uh, for the Brooklyn Nets at home and on the road uh, this past uh, Wednesday against Toronto. Hit a lot of crazy shots. But there's a rumor that Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, and Kendrick Nunn, and two first round picks could be traded for Kyrie Irving, Boyan Bogdanovich, Alec Burks, and Nerlandz Noel. Who gets what and, and how exactly, you know, each team touches each other, that remains to be seen. But this is a deal that's legal after December the 15th, uh, where most of these players would be eligible for a trade. Uh, if you sign a free agent deal in the summer, you can't be traded until December 15th. Mm-hmm. So that's why, uh, you know, players like Boyan Vukdanovich, uh, Nerlens Orleans Noel, uh, and even uh, Patrick Beverly can't be traded until that time. Chris, what do you make of this trade? idea and do you think number one it's even possible and if executed does it make the later lakers infinitely better or are you thinking that the lakers should stay away from kyrie
1: uh oh, yeah this is the million dollar question everything that kyrie everything that kyrie has done up until this point it's it, the stories haven't been what he's doing on the court the story is everything off the court so uh, but at the same point in time, when you, just on a pure basketball sense, absolutely Irving, Bogdanovich, Burks, and Noel, Chad. Do you know how many issues you're addressing in this trade? You're talking about shooting. You're talking scoring. You're talking ball handling. You're talking secondary playmakers. You've got Nerlens Noel, who gives them a true five. I mean, yeah, I I mean, yeah, Nerland's Noel is maybe not what he was years ago, but he's still a guy who could block shots. He could rebound. He could, he could alter shots. He takes some pressure off of Anthony Davis at that five spot. Kind of like what Thomas Bryan is doing right now. Shout out to TB. He's looked pretty good since coming back. But um, yeah, I mean, there's no question. This trade makes the Lakers better. However, once again, are they willing to part ways with those two picks not knowing what the future of Kyrie Irving is. And are the Lakers willing? keep? Now, here's another question. Not only are the Lakers willing to trade those two picks for essentially a couple of rentals, but are they willing to uh, give Kyrie an extension? That's really the kicker in this whole thing. But it's a very intriguing idea that certainly helps the Lakers get better. I'll tell you that.
0: This is a deal that, you would have to get assurances from Kyrie, but I don't know. At Right at this moment, I say no. Ask me again in two months.
1: Yeah.
0: Ask me again in mid-January. I say no as the, well, by the way. I, no right now. Mm-hmm. Ask me again in a couple months. That answer will more than likely change. I want Kyrie, but I don't want him bad enough to where the Lakers are con- constantly in the news for things that have nothing to do with basketball because it's bad enough with the Lakers being in the news for basketball right right now, or lack thereof, I should say. But can I tell
1: you this? Would he be able to get away with some of the stuff that he's doing with the Nets, with Kevin Durant driving the bus that he, than he would here in LA with LeBron driving that bus and Anthony Davis, Um, mainly LeBron though.
0: Here's the thing. And I'll, I'll say this in closing. Curry's a grown ass man. And as much as people would like Kevin Durant, to get on him or LeBron to even do that. If he was his teammate, LeBron couldn't even really reel him in as much as he wanted to um, when they were together in Cleveland, even though they won together. So the answer for me is no, he's still a grown ass man at the end of the day. So with that being said, there's so much more going on around the league. Speaking of Kyrie, his team, along with Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant, Went into Philadelphia. Ben, ben Simmons, it's his first return to Philadelphia in a uniform since his last game, Game 7, against the Atlanta Hawks where he passed up that infamous layup and pretty much quit on the mm-hmm. Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, then didn't play the next year and then was subsequently traded to the Brooklyn Nets for James Harden. Uh, I was pretty disappointed in the booze and the lack of vitriol. I thought it was going to be much worse. Yeah. I thought it. I thought it was going to be a little bit more consistent throughout the game. Um Ben Simmons himself had a pretty decent game. He looked very engaged, had a few dunks, had a, a few great passes, but the Brooklyn Nets lost this game. And if this is without Joel Embiid who's dealing with uh, a foot injury, I believe, uh, James Harden who's also out and Tyrese Maxey who is out. So they're missing their three best players and somehow the Brooklyn Nets are still not able to get a win, and the Philadelphia 76ers are able to pull it out. Chris, what do you make of the fact that the vitriol wasn't as bad? Did you you agree with that? Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just no, expected more out of Philly because Philly is that type of city.
1: For sure. I, I was definitely expecting louder booze. I was expecting uh, there was one chant of F Ben Simmons. I'm not going to obviously say it, but we, yeah, F Ben, Sim- but it faded out fairly quickly. Now, I don't know if it's because the crowd wasn't as big. I don't know if it's because maybe enough time has lapsed where you know people have sort of moved on from that. I mean, I can't really imagine so because it wasn't just the fact of how Simmons played on the court in that game seven against the Atlanta Hawks in the 21 Eastern uh, semis, but it was also how he essentially quit on this team. That, and all they were trying to do, all Doc Rivers was trying to do, all the organization was trying to do was get the best out of him. Um, and I can understand both sides feeling some kind of way. And there were clearly some irreconcilable, irreconcilable differences between the two sides. That being said, I thought Ben handled it really well. This might've been the best he's played. And I know he's had some good games recently, but this was one I'm sure you, he circled on the calendar. Uh, at least a couple of weeks ago, knowing what his situation was with the back and the, and the knee and whatever else he's been dealing with ankle issues. I, I don't even know right now. There's always so much going on with that guy, but I think he felt if I'm healthy enough to play, I, I want to come out and ball. And I thought he, Chaz, he played a solid ball game, 11 points. He did. Uh, I think, what was that? 11 points, 11 rebounds or 11 assists, seven rebounds. He dove on the loose ball. Uh, he was following his misses. He was picking apart the defense early on, but I think, yes, the story was, how did a fully healthy Nets squad lose to a Sixers team down three of their star players? Inexcusable. However, I don't think that should be the main thing. I think there is a silver lining there with the nets where it's like, wow, if we can get this kind of Ben Simmons every night, or like we've seen over the last week, we could really go places, but there's still something jazz missing from this team. So there's a silver lining yeah, because Ben played well in a pressure packed environment. It didn't take a toll on him mentally, but there's still something missing from this team. And I don't know at this point, if this core group can get it together and, and go on a run in the East.
0: Defense, consistent defense is what there is, what they're lacking. They were able to pull out a win one twelve to 98 against the Toronto Raptors. As I mentioned had a monster first and third quarter 38 and 39 points each respectively. But Ben Simmons is playing good. Ben Simmons had like what? Well, he only had fourteen points, six assists, and two rebounds. But it's a
1: solid game.
0: It's a solid. That's a solid game for him right now because he's not shooting the basket. He only had seven shot attempts, and well, nine shot attempts. He made seven out of nine. I think he's got. They need consistent defense. Ben Simmons, I think, is going to continue to play better. I do think that at some point Kyrie might get traded by the deadline. Who that team is, I don't know. Um, but I know that Joe Cy is pretty fed fed up with them. That they're saying all the right things. He's back on the floor, you know, it all of that, you know, anti Semitic stuff. Uh it's good that they, they took, were took able... the wind out of the sail for the for their team. Yeah. But it's good that they were able to actually put it behind them. But I know at the end of the day, they you know he knows he's bad for business for a long term. I don't see Kyrie in a Brooklyn Nets jersey uh, moving forward. But to, back to the back to Philadelphia, I think that they weren't booing Ben Simmons because they were so busy cheering their team because they were actually in, number one in the game without the three best players, and they were able to pull off the win. So.
1: A lot of guys Shout played to- well for them. They came to play Cork Moss, Niang, uh, uh, Patrick Reed, Montres Tobias Harrell. Harris. Yeah. Tobias, Tobias Harris. I mean, talk about closing time right there. I don't know what the heck Joe Harris was doing on, on his long lost brother, Tobias Harris. Uh, but still it wasn't playing defense. Tobias was shooting over the top of them all night long. So yeah, that's what I was going to say, Chaz, give credit to those Sixers players. They wanted that game and they took it from, from the Brooklyn Nets.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm going to make an in-show audible. I know we weren't going to mention this until after the break, but we're already talking about Philly, and I heard his name. So I have to ask you, Chris, what did you make of Montrez Harrell taking the ball away from Giannis Antetokounmpo, a two-time MVP, NBA champion, multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time perennial great player? What did you think of Montrez Harrell taking the ball from him and not allowing him to shoot after the game last Friday in Philadelphia after the Bucks came up short and Rihanna obviously didn't have a good shooting game. What'd you make of that
1: situation? It it was a it was a dumb situation. Let me just say that first. It was a dumb situation. I understand both guys are trying to get Post game workouts. Remember, uh, Kobe missed every three pointer he took in Miami, and he stood and you know tried to make a hundred threes before that the team left uh, you know left Miami that night. So I always think that's kind of weird. If you want to do that at your home arena, meaning Giannis, that's one thing. On a visiting arena, I, I just don't think it's a great idea um, at all. But then again, that is Trez. That's the team he plays for. So I think whoever's got home court, they kind of reserve the right in a, in a way to be like, Hey man, go shoot over there. I got this side. Now I didn't like how Giannis handled the situation with the ladder and dealing with the crew and pushing that ladder down. I mean, that's a big ladder, dude. What is that? A, a a 12 foot ladder. I mean, somebody could have gotten hurt had they not been in the right situation. So I know I'm just, I am saying those are situations that look bad. They're bad for business. You can't tell me that, that it isn't, but going back to the Trez situation, this is who Montrezl Harrell is. Speaking of enforcers, we just talked about it with Patrick Beverly. Trez is like that too. These are guys that don't mind getting their hands dirty behind the school bus. That's what it is. You know, hey, you want to take me on, man? I don't care how many MVPs you won, how many scoring titles you've won, how many championships you've won. If you want to step to me, I will lay your ass out or die trying. That is the mentality of a guy like Montrezl Harrell. Once again, though, I I don't, I the fact that we even have to have this conversation and not talk about stuff that's actually happening on the court in the middle of a game, it's just silly. Both sides could have handled it better. And the fact that Trez really started talking smack to Tanasis like that, it just, it's, it's not a good look. But it could have been handled better from both sides, to be quite honest with you.
0: All right, floor is mine. Thank you for that take, Chris. Um, I apologize for rolling my eyes at certain points. Um, for those of you that don't see the video, I rolled my eyes and Chris said somebody could have gotten hurt by the 12 foot ladder. Good. Get that damn ladder out of here. I am the greatest player in the game today, and I want to get some extra shots up. If everybody, if my team is okay, and my bus is staying, everybody knows you don't touch the floor if a player wants to work out after. Everybody knows this. So that guy who was putting the ladder to try and get the camera people down. Still the to do. maybe, people still I got jobs to okay. do. Yeah, people still got jobs. I don't give
1: Okay. That's fine.
0: People still got I heard you. I heard you. I heard you. I heard you. Get that damn ladder out of here. I'm shooting. Okay. Now, as it pertains to Trez, let Trez try and take the ball from KD. Let Trez try and take the ball from Bron. Let Trez try and take the ball from Steph. It's not happening. So Giannis isn't from here. Giannis doesn't want the smoke like other guys want to smoke, like Trez wants to smoke. Can you imagine another bench player coming up to a perennial all-star, an all-time great and current NBA greatest player in the game, some would argue, right now, and try to take the ball from him just to just to shoot his free throws to be better? Like Giannis said, I'm trying to do my job. Get out of my face with all that. I, if I was Giannis, I would have dragged Trez, Trez all up and down that damn floor. I would have gotten suspended just for making a point that nobody in the NBA is going to punk me off of any floor. I don't care if it's Philly, Toronto, Milwaukee, L.A., Miami, wherever. You don't take the ball away from another player and say, oh, this ain't Milwaukee. Get the hell out of here, Trez. You've done nothing. You've done nothing,
1: and certainly you haven't you've done, done th- anything in Philly. That's for you, sure. Yeah, you've done nothing
0: compared to what Giannis has done. You're you're a sixth man. That's your greatest calling card. That's yeah. it. You've done nothing. So I had every problem, every problem with Trez, and then he wants to talk about beating his brother's ass and going back and forth yeah, and this yeah. is that. I'm like that. Come find out. I agree with ah, you on I'm that so aspect. So tough. Yeah. Nah. yeah. Forget all that. But if I was Giannis, I would have dragged Trez's ass all up and down that floor. And this ladder, get this damn ladder on my face. So I had no problem with Giannis and how he handled it. Could have somebody gotten hurt? Yes. But that would have been that guy's fault, not mine. I told his ass multiple times, get this damn ladder out of my face. But he still wanted to. Can you imagine this guy? This guy went yes. up against Giannis and put the ladder back after he told him not to. And yeah. everybody, everybody that I know that has worked at arenas, that has worked on floors, that has worked after the game, if a player wants to shoot, you let them shoot. You don't get in their way. I, Whether it's Giannis or even if it's Trez, you don't get in their way. Once but again, this
1: guy, yeah. I, I, I really hear you're it. bringing up good points. And by the way, I think we both agree. Montrez Harold did not handle this correctly. This whole situation was done. Let's be, let's be quite honest. This whole situation was done. The fact that you and I are even talking about it, it was dumb. It's entertaining. It's fun. It gives us something to talk about, but in it's the hindsight, it, right. But but you're talking about like suspensions and everything like that. It, it's not wor- in a situation like that. It's not yeah. worth it. And and by the way, Dean, I remind you, look what happened with the Devonte Adams situation, shoving a cameraman. Granted that was a light shove. And, and I think it was once again, made a bigger deal, but still, you have to think people are not going to say, oh, well, the ladder guy should know. They're going to say, look what Giannis did to that poor schmuck, Where, uh, uh, you know, making 12, 13 bucks an hour. Not a schmuck. You know what I'm saying? He's the made, poor he's guy
0: making a lot more than that. I'm saying, week, OK, right?
1: you know what I'm saying? It's, I it, got you. It's failing comparison. So if, young, if you. that ladder would have gone down, I'm focusing on that for a second. If that ladder would have gone down and hit somebody and now it's like, well, that guy's going to press charges against Giannis. It makes Giannis look terrible.
0: It did, but it didn't, Chris. It did. not So,
1: Chaz, thank goodness it didn't because all this stuff is bad for business at the end of the day. You know, these guys' images are a lot, you know, you don't want to drop to anybody's level. That's all I'm saying. But in Trez's case, yeah, he I didn't like what he was saying to Tenasis. I thought that whole situation could have handled, been handled better. And this whole thing, like, I gotta flex, I gotta flex. It's like, wh- what are you doing over here? And I, I think that's why Giannis was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna step to this guy because he's got everything to gain and I got everything to lose. I don't want to get fined, suspended, have my name smeared on social media, even though it kind of did. <laughs> so yeah, yeah.
0: I not with me. You good in my eyes. You want to
1: know what else is good going around the league, Chris? Uh, I hope you're talking about mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving night.
0: We'll we'll get to that. (laughs) That, That's that's a given. But I'll tell you on the other side of this break.
1: You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, you garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not the court. Nuts. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, one even burst. though your swing
0: is the worst. <coughs> Here's to going down way
1: harder than you get back up. To giving it your all, it out. even though you kind of suck. You know what doesn't suck?
0: Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the outlet forum podcast in case you haven't already done. So be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course we're on Apple podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating, drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You can also follow our podcast on our website, nightcastmedia.com N I T E C A S T media.com. Go to the shows tab, click on the outlet forum, And that'll take you to our Apple podcast page. So as we go from the East coast to the West coast, there's a team out West making a lot of noise and no, it's not the Lakers despite winning three out of four. It ain't the Clippers who are starting to put it together. It's definitely not the golden state warriors. Dub nation's got a lot to figure out. It is of all teams, the Sacramento Kings winners of seven of their last eight and Chaz Their their, their success could only be literally posted in three words. Light the beam. Light that beam, baby. Hey,
0: I don't like the Sacramento Queens, and I'm still giving that disrespect (laughs) all day, every day. You are still a Pacific Division foe at the end of the day, but I like the fact that the Sacramento Kings are doing what they need to do. They won seven in a row, albeit against not really great sticks competition they hung 153 on the nets they won seven in a row they lost uh I believe in a pretty close game to the Atlanta Atlanta Hawks Hawks on the road Mm -hmm. um but Kevin Herter is playing so well that he got KD calling him Steph Curry and Clay Thompson saying that he's shooting just like him I mean there's so much to take away from the Sacramento Kings this is the longest win stream that they had before they lost uh since 2004 like you had mentioned and they have a lot of players. They have a lot of players that can do a, between Kevin Herter and Andre, obviously DeAndre uh, Fox, DeAndre.
1: No, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin De'Aaron Herter. I, I you can't forget the talking. ox and DeMontis Sabonis. Harrison Barnes has been solid. That He's trade been has been,
0: that's, that's the move that has made them what they are
1: for sure. They've, dra- because-
0: they've, they've drafted well and they took, a big swing in Sabonis and Sabonis is paying dividends for him.
1: By the way, as far as I want to say, make one comment about light the beam somewhere, somehow Terry Smith is smiling and frustrated at the same time because they essentially jacked his line. Terry Smith is the angels radio play-by-play announcer. And we all know when the angels win a game, Chaz, he always says you can light that baby up. So (laughs) I think the Sacramento Kings have kind of, I don't know. Do you think they jacked that a little bit, or jacked it and made it cooler, or what? Well,
0: I, I, I mean, <laughs> I think that they. Well, I'll be honest. I had no idea about the Angels until you brought it up. Um, as a <laughs> oh, to that, I, I, well, I had no reason to. They don't do anything. They don't win anything. But for those of you that don't know, every time they win, there's this beam of light, purple light that sh- streams from the top of the arena that they turn on. Um, which is pretty bright and it's just taken, a, a, it's came through a life of its own on social media. So that's why we say light the beam. Um, Sacramento Kings continue to win. Um, I think they're going to play well moving forward. De'Aaron Fox, I'm sorry for calling you DeAndre, man. I've got DeAndre Aiden on my mind uh, with that terrible, terrible act that he had the other night. But um, Fox is good, the- man.
1: Yeah, Fox. De'Aaron been
0: Fox, good. I mean, he hit. Tough shots against the Lakers. They they beat the Lakers. They beat the Nets. Um, they obviously like like we said lost to the Hawks, but um, dropped one fifty
1: three on the Nets. By the way, they had a they had a pretty good
0: pretty good win against a Cleveland team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know they had four wins in a row at home, so they have come a they, long the, way. The third, the third in the West. Actually, they dropped, They're going to drop the four after this last loss, but. I don't buy them. They're not. They're not going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a play-in team, though, and that's saying something for the Sacramento Kings, especially for Mike Brown in his first year as head coach of the team. And I like them. I, I like that they're playing well. I just is this is it going to be sustainable? That's that's what it is for a lot of these teams, like Utah, who's up there, and the Spurs, who had a great week at three and one, and then have now faltered and fallen. Down into the bottom half of this uh, Western Conference standings. But there are teams that are disappointing. There are teams that are great. But the Sacramento Kings, I think, are a team that's going to fall through in the later part of the season. But they could be buyers at the trade deadline and not sellers like they've been for the past two decades or whatever it's been.
1: Well, they've drafted really well. And what that allowed them to do was make the move to get DeMontis Sabonis. And a lot of people at the time were like, oh, you're trading. Halliburton, you should have kept Halliburton and traded Fox, but clearly the organization was not ready to give up on De'Aaron Fox. And he's progressively gotten better every year. And I think now for the first time, Chaz, he's made that jump from being a really talented guard to now being an all star caliber point guard. And in the Western Conference, that's saying something, especially when it's littered with guys like Steph, Ja. Jamal Murray, uh, Dame Lillard, you know, just to name a few. Um, But he has really taken it a step forward. And I think Sabonis has given him that team first type mentality. He's a guy that can obviously can score and rebound, but he's a very good playmaker out of the post. And I think it's allowed Fox to now be more of a score instead of a score and distributor. Mike Brown's done a good job getting them to buy in defensively and play in more Uh, Team-oriented offensive sets, while still giving guys like Fox and and uh, Malik Monk and and some of these other guys uh, room to operate as uh, in isolation. But yeah, the big question is: is this just fool's gold? Just like with Utah Jazz, are these guys eventually going to cool off? And I think with the with the Jazz, it's more likely because they don't actually have a star duo; they have just a good collection of role players. Whereas the, the Sacramento Kings actually have a legitimate all-star caliber one, two punch with Sabonis and, and Fox that could carry the load on most of the nights. And then once again, Kevin Herter, headband Herder, man, he has just lights, lights out. And that was such a low key pickup for them, but I liked what they did this year. It's like, let's go out, let's find some shooters. Let's space the floor. Let's put Sabonis in that point center point forward position. And everyone play off of him essentially. And, and I think that they, they've really done a nice job through the first uh, month of the season.
0: I actually buy the Utah jazz more than I do the Sacramento Kings only because the Utah jazz are deep, even though they just lost Mike Conley for a couple weeks. They're just deep. They have a lot of players that just play hard between Kelly Olenek and Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley
1: and Colin Sexton. Yeah. T-H-T. Colin
0: Sexton and THT and, Laurie Marketing. Oh,
1: he's been incredible. Yeah. Who's been incredible, who, yeah.
0: who is on an all star trajectory. But De'Aaron Fox is a bona fide all star. 25, five rebounds, six assists, shooting over 50% from the field, shooting almost 38% from the three point line. Just consistent, man. It, it just makes me sick that the Lakers passed on him and, and took Zoe. Even though they still would have had to trade De'Aaron Fox in that deal for the AD and you still make that trade 10 times out of 10 and twice on Sunday for AD, especially how he's playing right now, doing things that only Will Chamberlain and Bob McAdoo have done at this point. Shaq's not even on the list anymore for how many games that Anthony Davis is playing, you know, putting up 30 and 15 on 6% shooting. So one more game like that, AD is going to break the record um, if he has his fifth game. But you still make that trade with De'Aaron Fox, is that guy
1: right now and shout out to Mike Brown. Uh, you know, I I know he's had a couple of opportunities and things didn't work out in Cleveland. The first time things didn't obviously didn't work out with the Lakers. Things didn't work out with Cleveland the second time. Uh, you know, he kind of reestablished his value with Steve Kerr and the golden state warriors. And I think that experience understanding what a championship culture is and what it takes to get to that next level. He has brought some of that with him to the Sacramento Kings and they have bought in. So they're, they're obviously a team that's more predicated on scoring, but the balance, Chaz, that's what I'm talking about. The balance, they're not too young. They're not too old. They got a lot of guys in their prime and a lot of guys taking that next step forward. It, as long as they, everyone kind of continues to stay in their lane and buy into their respective roles, I think that they're definitely a play-in. Wouldn't shock me if they are a playoff team at, at, the, at number six because a lot of teams out West are struggling, my friend.
0: Speaking of teams struggling, Chris, there is a lot of teams that are struggling, but there are some teams that we didn't see that were going to struggle. Um, teams like my personal pick out of the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, albeit dealing with injuries early in the season, out their three best players, they're only 500 at 9-9, nine and nine, and that's after getting a pretty big win um, this past week uh, that they desperately needed. Against the Brooklyn Nets, um, but Chris, what do you make of other disappointing teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves? Rudy Gobert came out and said, "Hey, if you got something to say and you're booing us, no team is perfect. Just stay at home." Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves have won five straight since then. They're now ten and eight. They were five and eight at one point. I still think that they're a disappointing team. What are some of the disappointing teams to you? uh, in the NBA so far?
1: Well, I think Golden State, uh, I mean, they were what? Oh, for their first eight from on the road. I, I mean, this yeah, was a team and, and they and needed, they needed a miraculous Steph Curry off balance three, just to put away the Houston Rockets last weekend. Back? Yeah. Step back. And they needed 41 points and 10, three pointers from Klay Thompson in the same game. I think the, I think what's been disappointing about the Golden State Warriors and Granted, people are going to give them a big runway because they are the defending champs. They've been through this before, but at the same point in time, it's like, man, you guys are that bad defensively. You guys are that bad on the road. And a lot of these young players that you have sort of invested in uh, by not trading in guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Moody and James Wiseman, who just got assigned to the G League. It's, it's a bit of a head-scratcher because because I think the thought process was coming into the season, these guys are now going to have more of an enhanced role and support Steph, Clay Draymond, et cetera. Even Jordan Poole has not looked that good since he got the bag. Uh, he's had some very inconsistent, shaky performances. The only guy that's really kind of holding up his end of the bargain right now is Andrew Wiggins. So I think at the end of the day, Golden State figures it out, but I don't think they will end up being the number one seed in the Western conference. I, I think they've got a lot of things to figure out. And Chaz, to be honest about if I'm Bob Myers, and we've already seen him, seen, seen him do this. He needs to go out and find some veteran guys who are going to compliment these role players and buy into their role uh, every single night, because these young cats are not doing it. We've already seen him make a move. Jeremy Lamb, they picked up off the street just to give them a little bit more depth and Somebody capable of knocking down outside shots and, and being comfortable in that role. And, and so far, we just have not seen that. So I think the Young Cats have been pretty disappointing thus far for, for Golden State. What's another team you think has been disappointing?
0: Miami. Miami, even though they come up with a pretty big win um, that they needed at home against a Washington team who's actually been playing pretty good as of late. They're uh, a 10-8 and team. Uh, that's currently the sixth seed. The, but the Miami Heat are 8-11, and 11, even with this win. 12th in the Eastern Conference. They're not playing good defense. They they don't look like they have synergy on the different defensive side of the ball. And that's saying something for an Eric Spolstra coach team because that's what they hang their hat, hat on, especially uh, um, you know Pat Riley obviously being at the helm. So uh, very disappointed in the Miami Heat. You would think that they – would at least be a 500 team like the Knicks who are surprisingly nine and nine. And they've actually been a disappointment a little bit, but um, the fact that they battled back and got back to 500 um, says something. So the Miami, the only team in the Eastern conference that are worse are Orlando, Charlotte and Detroit. and All of those teams have either five or four wins. So that's not saying a whole lot for a Miami heat team that was What a heel out of bounds away from possibly going to the finals Hmm. in game seven. And talking about that Max Struce corner three, that should have been uh, good, or the pull up three from Jimmy Butler. That was
1: was ill advised, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: But but, but I I thought that was actually a a good shot, but he just missed it. But, um, yeah, the Miami Heat are definitely a team that uh, I've been disappointed in. Um, Portland, they were number one in the West, although they've had some injuries. To Dane and some other players, Damian Lillard, they went from first to ninth in the Western Conference. Yeah, my, um, my
1: Rip City, my Rip City uh, Blazers, they 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 got to get it together over there. Come on, guys, you guys got to continue Dallas, to make me look good. Yeah, Dallas, that that's Dallas nice.
0: is nine. Dallas is nine and eight. You thought Dallas could be a top five, easy, yeah. top four, top, you know, a home field or I'm sorry, a home court advantage type team in the first sure. round in the playoffs or throughout. So there's a lot of teams that are disappointing, but Obviously, the Lakers are, but they don't have have the talent. They don't have – they didn't even have the schedule on their side. They do now, so let's see if they can come through with a few big wins. But like you had mentioned, the Golden State Warriors, the uh, Miami Heat, And the Philadelphia 76ers are my most disappointing teams.
1: Yeah, I I think that's pretty accurate. You could maybe throw Brooklyn in there as well. I mean, we always go back, the expectations, because of what rosters look like. But, you know, chess playoffs and championships, they're not one on paper. You got to go out and you got to play for 82 games. Then you got to play for another three months in the playoffs. So you have to show that you're committed to this process. But the one common denominator I just want to point out before we move on, everybody's beating each other up. There's really, I mean, the two best teams in the league right now to me are Miami and, and Mil- I'm sorry, not Miami, Boston and Milwaukee. Those are, to me, the two top teams in, in the entire league, West or East. And it's kind of those two and everybody else. Those two have been roaring out of the gates. I mean, I know Milwaukee's lost a couple of tough games, so has Boston. But still, like everyone else, it's been kind of a head scratcher. Clippers have been, eh, you know, they're dealing with injuries and whatnot. Golden State, Denver's, you know, they, they just got hit hard by, by, the flu and COVID and whatnot. So, the, listen, it's early. We're one month into the season, but certainly this month has not gone the way I think we all expected. That's for sure.
0: No doubt. Well, as the season goes on, like Portland, you could be first in the West one week and ninth in the West the next. So, it's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Let's see how these teams get going and see if teams like the Lakers like the Nets, like the Sixers, can bounce back and get themselves maybe on a five, six, seven game win streak and put themselves up in the you know top six or top eight in their respective conference. But uh, there's a documentary, Chris, that's coming out that's actually live as of right now. Um, I'm actually going to watch the first episode of the series once we're done recording this. Um, and that's Shaq's documentary on HBO Max. Not sure exactly what the title is, but so many Laker documentaries. Uh, There's even a Kobe documentary that I believe that's coming um, at some point early in 2023. Um, We we had, you know, the Showtime Lakers go back and do their thing. We had the Hulu series. We had obviously um, winning time on HBO max, a lot of Laker content, but this is going to be a specific Shaq documentary about his life and the real stories that he's going to give you that probably don't make it to all these other uh, documentaries and platforms that we've heard different Lakers stories on. So I'm sure we're going to hear some of the same stuff, but I'm excited to hear some different stuff that we probably haven't heard before. Chris, are you excited for this series?
1: No doubt. I don't think there's been a bigger than life figure over the last 35 years than Shaquille O'Neal since he's from his time in LSU through his time in the NBA from Orlando to LA, to Miami, to Cleveland, to Boston, to Phoenix, wherever else he played to his post game, to his post-playing career. He has given us so many memories, so many great moments. And I'm looking forward, Chaz. I'm always interested to hear how people came up, their families, people that helped them get to that certain point. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stories about Kobe. There's going to be a lot of stories about, Stuff off the court with family, with friends, with old teammates, and everything like that. I think it's going to be pretty fun to watch. And you know, Shaq, man, he always makes it fun and entertaining.
0: It's going to be pretty hilarious. He actually had a uh, he did an interview with People, and he talked about um, the fact that he should have called Kobe. and Kobe should have called him. Yeah. And, you know, you never know when it's going to be. You know, the last day, so call your friends, call your brothers, call your mom, tell them. Ain't, we that, love the,
1: ain't that the um, truth, right there, man? Seriously, so, the the fact that they. That they didn't call each other,
0: you know. I don't just put it on Shaq, they put it on Kobe, too. You know, sure. God, God rest his soul. Um, and the,
1: they were the in a good that, place. I mean, seemingly, they, they were, they had squashed all the beef. Kobe spoke at Shaq's uh, uh, statue unveiling, he, he put out a video when Shaq's number was, was retired. There. Uh, I, I mean, you would think at that point, it's like, how are these guys still in a bad place? They did the one-on-one on on TNT, uh, where Shaq even said, like when, when Kobe gave his son Sharif the MVP trophy, the all-star game MVP trophy in 09, it was just like, how is there still that disconnect? I I never quite understood that. It's
0: not, it's, it's not a disconnect in terms of being in a bad place. It's just ego, just ego. And like when he, and that, and that's, that's pride. And that's ego. That's, that's, you know. Some people just don't reach out as much as they, as much as they should. You know, I have, I have, you know, a best friend that I'm, I'm cool with to to this day. I don't speak to him very often, but when we do, it's always love. So I, but at the same time, if I lost him, I'd be kicking myself for, you know, I call him more than he calls me. But at the end of the day, these are grown ass men. You can't control somebody else picking up the phone. So I say all that to say, It's not on anybody specifically. It's just that I wish that they could have had more time together. And obviously, Kobe being gone just means a whole lot, not only to the NBA community, but to everybody that has anything to do with basketball or different fields, whether it be footwear, whether it be his production company, whether it be his basketball academy, whether it be Nike. No. Still trying to sell his shoes. I mean, it's it's, it's a really big ripple effect. But yep. shout out to Shaq. Shout out to that series. Go check it out on HBO Max if you have some time. Uh, Chris, it's Thanksgiving. Gobble,
1: Thanksgiving gobble. Thanksgiving
0: is coming up uh, in a couple days. And we got to get to my favorite part of the show. And that's the social media post of the week. There's so many options to choose from. We weren't on last week because I was sick definitely ill with the flu so i got some heat for you guys but chris like i always do i'm gonna turn it over to you give you the floor sir what is your social media post of the week
1: well first of all to quote jack can you dig it all right sorry i just had to get that out uh (laughs) so I found a great post uh, in relation to recently demoted Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson. I don't know why I'm captivated by this kid, but it's just, it, it's just hilarious. So this comes from uh, Jane Koston at Jane Koston, Uh, And it's a picture of a ESPN post where it says breaking during a team meeting minutes ago, Jets players were informed that Zach Wilson is not starting Sunday's game versus the Chicago Bears." sources. Tell Adam Schefter. So she quotes a quote, tweets that from ESPN. And it says, this is entirely unrelated, but this photo makes him look like the elf that ultimately betrays Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what, after looking at that, I'm like, yeah, it kind of does, man. He really does. He really could pass as, as an elf. He's got all the right characteristics. All he needs is the, uh, you know, the all green suit, which shouldn't be too hard considering he's a jet and just get him a little hat. I think I have one that, uh, <laughs> that he can borrow but yeah definitely looks like he could be in a christmas drama where he uh he plays Judas to Santa Claus
0: good one good one man um mine comes yours? from mine comes from Omar Siddiqui at osid 24 it's a picture of Darvin Ham in that infamous first game when he wrote on the the writing board uh and obviously this was Photoshopped. And the picture shows, give AD the effing ball. And it says game plan in the last two games. That's my social media post of the week because that's all the Lakers need to be doing is giving AD the ball in the spots that he needed. He's going to continue to give you 30, 35, and 15 or 20 every single game. The biggest key is can he do this when LeBron steps back on the floor or is he going to go back to shooting fadeaway threes and taking 10 shots outside of the paint and not dominating like he was before. But if they can continue to give AD the effing ball, just like Darvin Ham said in this meme, I think they'll be in good shape.
1: Hopefully so, man. Hopefully so. And I think it's up to LeBron now to make those adjustments as well and not try to take over the game, you know, putting up a lot of deep threes and everything like that. My fear with it, with LeBron coming back, isn't the shots out of the paint, Chaz. It's him just coasting just being another guy out there instead of actually putting his imprint on the game in the paint on the glass defensively, like we've seen over the last couple of weeks. No doubt. Well,
0: another great show in the books. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing. You guys know where to follow me on Instagram at Chaz P on Twitter at Chaz Pearson. Chris, where can I follow you, my man?
1: Well, first off, happy Thanksgiving to you, partner. I hope you have a great holiday weekend to you, your family, all your loved ones, to all our audience out there. Thank you so much. Uh, Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. This is one of my favorites. Just get together, watch some football, have some good food, enjoy one another's company. And, And if you're off from work, more power to you. Enjoy the time off, but just be healthy and safe. Yeah. What has two thumbs and his off this guy, <laughs> but you can also follow me at Chris underscore Camelo uh, on, on Instagram, see Camelo one, and be sure to follow our social media pages for the show. No doubt. Well,
0: until next week, we'll see y'all later. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Peace. <music>